Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation this week. Well-deserved. He should be enjoying himself by now. Okay, more on that a little bit later. Uh, It's hot around the country, and it seems that it's a whole lot of days in a row where you've got a Good Morning America or CBS in the morning or whatever. They're opening with the heat. Yeah. And, I mean, you got a big heat wave going on. I mean, it's the summer equivalent to a massive blizzard or something like that. It's certainly unusual temperatures. But, of course, what it really is about is hammering home this idea that it's climate change. Not El Nino, yes. not not uh, not just temperatures that we haven't seen in 50 years. and Because and, that's all fair game, in my opinion. If you want to talk about how freaking hot it is, sure, that's fine. But, for example, the Today Show this morning... They had yes. a, a, a reporter posted up in Phoenix. You know, it's hot in Phoenix right now. Oh, my gosh. And it's what? a climate crisis. Dude, talk to anybody that's been in Phoenix every summer right. for forever. Yes, it's hot in the summertime. As the climate crisis continues, extreme heat has been scorching parts of the country for weeks. Today will likely be the 18th day in a row. Temperatures here have reached 110 degrees or higher, tying the record for the most consecutive days Phoenix saw such highs. Some of the city's largest hospitals are reaching crisis levels from treating heat-related illnesses. Okay, time out right there. Yeah. Here's a problem. And I know you already know, David, where I'm going with this. Since the pandemic, when you hear crisis at the hospital, there's already that part of your brain that goes, really? Is mm-hmm. it, though? What, what are we talking about, crisis? Right. Because numbers got inflated so many different times, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Trust is betrayed. And you're like, well, is it really? The physical impact of the heat also experienced by country star Jason Aldean, who had to end his concert early in Connecticut after experiencing dehydration and heat exhaustion. The star says he's now doing fine, but it's a reminder of how serious this heat wave is. Okay. When... When Jason Aldean had the heat stroke, he, he started to stumble in the middle of a song and had to walk away. Yeah. That was in Connecticut. It was like 85 degrees. It was not Phoenix. And I guarantee you, as a country music star, Jason Aldean has performed in temperatures higher than 85 degrees. Oh, there's no question about it. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you play theaters without air conditioning right. and it gets 110 in there. Yeah. So, so that has nothing to do with what's happening in Phoenix. And she mentioned the record for consecutive days of highs over uh, 110. Yes. That record was set in the 1970s. So did climate <laughs> change take a break for 50 years? <laughs> <laughs> That's just it, man. It feels like the full court press is on right now because something's coming in, I don't know, is it three weeks? Is it in two months? Where all of a sudden, and I know it sounds tinfoil hatty, it's like, you know, we're going to have to take away some of your freedoms because if we don't do something about this climate crisis, we're all going to die. Yeah. And that you get the feeling you're getting set up for something like this. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. But every day, you know, it's something new on that. So definitely covering that out there. Um, 
Now, Kamala Harris was speaking about population. Uh, yeah, well, Kamala Harris accidentally let loose the real goal of the climate cult and panic. Talk about tinfoil hat. I don't think it's so tinfoil hatty anymore. Oh, roll it. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink mm. clean water. Hold on a second. A couple different things. From what I understand, from people that actually know, the, quote, experts that have studied this for decades, it's not overpopulation is the problem. No. We don't have enough people being born. Isn't that the deal? Yeah. That, well, that's one of the reasons why uh, you see uh, one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, the pandemic and school uh, closures contributed to it. One of the reasons why attendance at public schools is lower and had been declining before the pandemic was because we're not restocking the pond enough. Correct. And that's a global issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been talked about a lot. So she's saying that. And did she mention and electric vehicles, electric vehicles? David, you're better at this than me. Can you explain how that's not better for the environment? No, it's not be better for the environment for a few different reasons. One, the mining operations that go into making these gigantic batteries that go in the cars are extremely harmful, especially when they're done using, you know, slave labor in third world countries. Um, it is very damaging to the environment there to waterways, etc. Uh, and you also have to use a lot of diesel in order to transport these things back and forth from the U.S. to China to Australia, mm -hmm. et cetera. Uh, and then also at the end of the day, if you want your electric vehicle to work, you got to plug it into a power source. We don't have the infrastructure. Right. So it, it actually isn't the green revolution that, that Kamala Harris and everybody else in this administration wants to say they are. But the people that put her in this position have a lot of money invested in that. Oh, so she sure. just goes out and says whatever they tell her to say and then repeats it five times in 30 seconds. She hasn't got that part down yeah. yet, how to do it, you know, in a smooth fashion. But that's what she does. I did see some coverage, and this was, again, the Good Morning America Today show, about Ron DeSantis and his campaign struggling and firing people from the campaign. And... You know, a lot of people are saying this whole thing is dead with Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And I did see in a few different places people writing, hold on a second, don't write the guy off just yet. I mean, Tucker Carlson had the interviews with how many different Republican candidates you on know, Friday? Six, I think, or seven. Yeah. And some people came away with, you know, the top two were Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. Yeah. That they did very well. And that there were some people that were upset that Trump didn't want to take part of it. Other people said, well, why should he? He's leading by so much. Why would he want to go and be a part of that? Okay, that's fine. But it does seem that media is quick to write off Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. Well, they're why giddy. is that? They're giddy about it. They want Donald Trump to be the nominee. I think that is true. I, mean, I don't a lot think that's any tinfoil hat stuff. No, I mean, a lot of the people who have risen to national prominence in news media did so on the coattails of Donald Trump. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. This knock on him, you know, this was a piece that I happened to see um, talking about, you know, Rupert Murdoch, the, some big money people were putting their um, faith and trust behind Ron DeSantis, and it, they feel like they're just wasting their time and money, that he just doesn't have the personality. Is that what it is right now? Um, like, 
after you know you had Obama with a big personality, and then you had Trump with his big personality, that that's got to be part of it to be in this game. Yeah, I, I will say this, and I mean with with Ron DeSantis's early campaign, it hasn't been all that impressive. I did expect more from him, but I I don't know. You just kind of have to get out there a little bit more. Is that um, what you're thinking? Like as far as specifically that he just hasn't been out there enough? Yeah, that and he, he's been saying, well, we've been getting the pieces assembled on the chessboard, we've been working the ground game, and all that's fine and good. But at some point, you got to make a splash on the national scene if you really want to be seen because Trump takes up so much oxygen because anytime yeah. that guy speaks you got to hear what he has to say yes and and with Ron DeSantis I've seen many interviews that he's done campaign speeches and it's fine you know right. I, I like what he has to say but it just is well, and what he's done as governor to be honest yeah that's the most appealing thing so you know, and I, I take a step back and I'm thinking, okay, July uh, 2015, what was it like as far as, you know, the Republicans lining up to run for the primary? And I, my first reaction to myself is July 25th. Nothing happened yet. Yeah. There were, I mean, now on the air at the time, were we talking about these different possibilities and all that stuff? Yeah, because that's kind of what we do. Most people are really not paying attention yet. Yeah. Wait until the first debate, which is coming up in August. We'll see what's going on. But that's getting some attention. And then some people over the weekend were saying, man, I can't quite believe that they could not figure out any leads as far as the cocaine in the White House. Yeah, we found the one case that can't be solved. Who brought cocaine into the White House? Um, the Secret Service has closed its investigation because they just can't seem to crack the case here. White House spokesman John Kirby was on Fox News and was asked, hey, ba Basically, how is this possible, and doesn't this send the message that it's pretty easy to sneak in, I don't know, white powdery substances into the most yes. secure building in America? That's the whole point. Well, again, I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to, and they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence. that. that okay, they did the best they could. How long did that investigation last again? Like 10 days. We have investigations that go on years. <laughs> You're frustrated. Like, what happened to this case? What happened to this? Oh, it's an ongoing investigation. This, 10 days, they did the best they could. Nothing. Who believes that? That proves it. But, of course, look, we take this seriously. It's not the kind of thing no, we yeah. want to see happen. Now, it did happen in a visitor's uh, lobby area out just, just outside the main West Wing. Um, uh, so it was tr a highly trafficked area. We're going to take a look at, uh, uh, at how that happened. And, obviously, we'll, if there's things we can do to get, 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 prevent get. that in, in the future, certainly we'll do that. Nobody's happy about this. Uh -huh. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't think the question was, it seems like you all are happy about somebody possibly doing a line there at the White House. No one said that. What are you talking about? Um, uh, so it was tr highly trafficked area. We're going to take Highly trafficked. A lot of visitors. Mm -hmm. Just happened to be the place there's not many cameras. Yeah. Where it's highly trafficked? <laughs> How is that making sense? Right. None of it makes sense. No, none of it makes sense. You're liars. Yeah. I, <laughs> there were a couple things I saw over the weekend. One was a uh, picture of... Uh, it was uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Corrine Jean-Pierre. They all had white powder underneath their noses. 
and it and it was it was a take off of the show whose line is it anyway <laughs> that was pretty good. pretty good man and there's a writer named kate hyde who also said yeah forensic uh, analysts couldn't really uh, get anything off the baggie because it was contaminated with hunter biden's fingerprints <laughs> <laughs> yeah they couldn't get any prints off that either right that's wild man all right there's a lot to get to oh you know uh the biden campaign started using bidenomics are doing so well. There has been a boom in jobs as far as DEI and ESG. Wait till you hear some of these jobs open now. Hilarious. That much more coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation this week. Did see this. Oh, Robbins would have loved this story. It's Joe Biden talking about creating jobs, creating so many jobs. Mm hmm. Robbins usually yells and says, no, people went back to work. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But there has been a lot of jobs created in the DEI and ESG world. Mm -hmm. This was a Wall Street Journal piece talking about young grads are finding employment, helping companies not run afoul of progressive orthodoxy. Golly. And the piece starts off saying, how many environmental justice majors does it take to calculate the CO2 emissions of a light bulb? <laughs> this isn't a joke. Businesses now employ scads of college grads to do this. For years, America's political class has lamented that too many college grads are working in low-paying jobs that don't require post-secondary uh, degrees. They're like making coffee. But the diversity, equity, and inclusion... And environmental, social, and governance industries, the DEI and ESG, respectively, are solving for this problem while creating so many others. So it's talking about the modern progressive era and all these young graduates finding all these jobs now. I think if you're white, you probably need not apply because it's hard to be the DEI officer, isn't it? If you're white. I don't know. Last I saw, uh, it was actually a majority of DEI officials were white. No way. Yeah. I hadn't seen that stat. That's fascinating. I know right now, like, the NFL is seeking a diversity, equity, and inclusion senior program coordinator. Of course. Okay. Uh, what does that person do? Well, they will be a strategic, empathetic planner who works collaboratively to manage sensitive high-priority league and or club-specific initiatives and projects. Okay, from that description, what does that mean? I have no idea. You're creating committees to meet and talk about how many people are employed yeah. from all of these different backgrounds. Basically it. And applicants must be able to handle, quote, highly confidential information. Like okay, what? we don't have that in the government. No, <laughs> who's, who's what? What high? What highly com, uh, confidential uh, stuff are you supposed to be keeping secret? I don't know. Inflated balls. Who knows? <laughs> Wells Fargo is looking for a tech diversity community and sustainability communications consultant who can collaborate and consult with stakeholders to drive understanding of audience impacts to guide messaging to reduce key risk why why would you do that after watching what happened with bud light i don't know because and I, i'm not it's a great question you know, trying to be i'm not trying to channel my inner boomer or anything like that the whole get off my lawn thing but <laughs> when it comes to reaching audiences 
that is something that takes years and years of experience to really understand. And when you're right out of college, you don't understand it. You don't have the real world knowledge to apply. It says this whole boom of jobs in part is because of the Biden administration regulations. Mm But the bigger drivers are progressive employees who demand that their employers indulge their politics, as well as ESG police like BlackRock that order corporations to produce these detailed reports about their labor and environmental practices. Mm -hmm. What happens if everyone collectively just says no? Yeah, that that's this is a time for uh, uh, for people to just, yes, say no to the entire scam. You don't need it. Make a good product. Right. And it's like, well, we could lose all these young employees. So what? Mm -hmm. Find somebody else. They work for you. It's not like you got to just, you know, bow down to their demands. I don't understand it. Meanwhile, speaking of just generational things, I happen to see this. Tender. When I say the word tender, what's the first thing that comes to mind, David? Sticky. Yeah. That's the the app for singles. Yeah. 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 But it's pretty much known for just hooking up the way I understand it. It's not like you're looking for the long-lasting relationship on Tinder. A new poll found out that a third of Tinder users um, are single. That's right. Two-thirds are in a relationship or married. Mm. I thought it was mostly singles. I didn't know that. I was kind of surprised to see that. But it says not all those people are in happy relationships. Half of users overall say they're looking for love. Some those people might be just looking to upgrade or maybe cheat. But this is interesting. It means half of Tinder users aren't looking for dates at all. So people are asking, well, why are you even on there? You know what the answer is? To hook up. No, because they're bored and they want a distraction. And they want to feel socially connected. And you get a little ego boost. Right. Like if someone swipes your way, all of a sudden you feel a little better about mm-hmm. yourself. You have no intention at all. Of meeting anybody. Oh, That's what they say. So I don't just know if you can believe that or not. Okay. Yeah, pretty much it. Oh, really? So you dig me. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> all I needed to know. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, fascinating interview with Donald Trump over the weekend. And uh, he talks about one of his biggest regrets. We'll get to that much more coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation this week. I think he's having a good time. I think he's updating people, which is good. Uh, Donald Trump didn't do uh, the big talk with Tucker Carlson on Friday like some of the other Republican candidates mm-hmm. uh, have done. He's also saying, probably not going to debate. Why would I debate? Yeah. I'm way ahead. I don't have to do that stuff. And different people have an opinion on that. No, you're not a fan of it, David. I wish you would do that debate. Yeah. I, well, I think it just kind of reeks of cowardice, honestly. And I know that... Uh, people get mad at me when I say that. And then I ask, okay, well, what's your opinion of Joe Biden not debating RFK Jr.? And then the mentality completely flips. It's very strange to me. It's like, you know, you got to have a little consistency here. Yes. Okay. Can I share with you? We're in the trust circle, right? Oh, sure. Okay. All right. I'll tell you how I'm inconsistent on this. Because I tend to agree with you. And then I think of it this way. Okay, if I was the campaign manager... For Biden, would I have him out there debating RFK Jr.? Absolutely not. (laughs) What a loser that would be. What a losing move that would be. Definitely. Okay, so that part I do understand. 
And then if I'm Trump's campaign manager, would I have him go out there and debate? And this is where I think my opinion differs from some. I would say, no, I wouldn't do it. Some people would say, well, I would because he's really good at debates. And I would say, uh, is he? We all say that. But when I go back to that first debate he had with Biden in 2020, that lost him the election. Oh, you and I have talked about it many times, David. Yeah, I said it the next day. Me too. Like, this is where he lost it because he was all over the place. He was scatterbrained. Yep. It just didn't make it, you know, just throwing punches when he didn't need to. Well, and he had fallen behind in the polls at that time. Mm -hmm. And then he fell further behind after that debate. So when you're just looking at it as a campaign manager for a Trump, you're like, okay, what does he have to gain by doing this right now? What does he have to lose? Well, I would say what he has to lose is, as you said, he looks a little cowardice, and there are people that are supporting him. They're saying, hey, I'm with you, but she's still got to earn the vote. you got to do these things. And I'm sure what he'd probably do at the time is say, yeah, I'll do the other ones that matter more once you know we thin this out. We don't mm -hmm. need 10 people on a debate stage. Once it's down to three or four, then I'll be there. I'm guessing that's how he'll handle it. But I suppose, again, I'd like to see them both debate. But if I was running the show, I would say, yeah, probably not a great idea. But it's, it sucks for the rest of us because I think we'd all like to see it. Now, he talked to Maria Bartiromo over yeah. the weekend, and they were talking about regrets. Yeah, one of the biggest regrets. And he said this before uh, from his first term in office involved some of the hires he made. But during an interview with Maria Bartiromo on Fox, he said, well, I made those mistakes because I was new to D.C. And then she asks an interesting follow-up question to this. Okay, roll it. Uh, I never stayed overnight, ever. And then all of a sudden, I'm the president of the United States. And it's like a different society. I was New York, and, you know, it was a different thing. So I didn't know people. I became president. I'm riding down Pennsylvania Avenue with our first lady. I had 250 motorcycles. I had armies. I had everything. I said, do you believe it? We're president. Take a look. This is wild, right? But I never was involved in that. And So you didn't know what to expect? No, no. I, well, I didn't know the people. I know the people now better than anybody's ever known the people. I know the good ones, the bad ones, the dumb ones, the smart mm -hmm. ones. I well, think you, you the didn't drain ones, the swamp like you said you would. You didn't drain the swamp. I did. I fired Comey. I fired a lot of people. A lot of the people I had, I fired. I, I fired Comey very early. She's saying you didn't drain the swamp. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's been a ding on him a little bit. Well, yes, he got rid of Comey. But you think all the different people that were in that system. And, yeah, he he didn't do enough, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got you got rid of Comey, and then what happened? <laughs> then, you, then you have all the Mueller stuff. And then, I mean, the thing is, the, the hard thing for me to wrap my head around is when he says, I'm going to be the one to go on a firing spree, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hope that's true, but he had an opportunity to do it, and he didn't. And with a, with a whole lot of different angles to that. To me, the biggest liability is the Fauci thing. Yeah, you know, DeSantis hit that over the weekend. I mean, we'll get to that later. Trump gave Fauci a medal on he his did. way out the door. So He did. I suppose, to be fair, when you're talking about Comey, we didn't realize how bad a guy he was at the time. Oh, no. It wasn't until yeah. facts came out later. With Fauci, you want to trust him early on. And I remember the first few times you're saying, I don't know if I believe what he's saying. 
and you read the room. Now, you could be saying that, you know, on the show. You could be saying that, you know, in company, whatever, and people are looking at you like, you're nuts, man. This We got to trust this guy. You're saying he's a bad guy? You're a conspiracy freak. <laughs> like, no, hold on. What he's saying doesn't make sense. And he's already proven we can't trust him with the masks and everything else, not to go down that rabbit hole. But I'll give him a little bit there. It takes a little while to figure out, okay, who the good players are, whatever. But there are other things that should have happened under the presidency that didn't. Yeah. All that being said, with all the accomplishments that happened, I was overall happy with the presidency. Yeah. And I know I get hate for it. I, It's just honest. I think if he would have been more disciplined in 2020, he would have won again. I really do. Even with everything rigged against him. But... Sometimes he's his own worst nightmare, and that, in my opinion, kind of cost him. But that's interesting. And there's more from that interview we'll get to a little bit later. It's that time of the show when we uh, go around. Well, it's just David and I today without Scott. But we're looking at stories all over the place, and it may not be the biggest one out there, but it caught your attention. Today, David, what's your story? The liberal news site Slate has a breathtakingly stupid article out there. It's about Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey. Apparently, okay. they're mad about her eyebrows because they're too thick or something. What? Yeah. So this writer puts down, actually, in this website, judging by how she's dressed at several high-profile events her husband, in her husband's political career, First Lady of Florida Casey DeSantis's desperation to win Jackie Kennedy comparisons is almost palpable. It's only kind of worked. Uh, she did earn the nickname Tacky Onassis in some circles and has recently been dubbed walmart melania but the intent is plain the new controversy all stems from a photo that's currently circulating on twitter tiktok and elsewhere uh in which desantis's brows look cartoonishly bushy just what? how thick are this this lady's brows have they been growing are Casey DeSantis' eyebrows angling to seize new territory? Do they have political ambitions? Is it possible they are bodily manifestations of her increasing influence over her husband's presidential campaign? Should we treat them as prophets? Compared to uh, Eddie Munster, Groucho Marx, the bird from Angry Birds. What is going on? Well, it's just, it's, it's tacky stuff. I mean, it's Slate.com, whatever. They actually locked down the replies on the tweet where they shared this article okay because a bunch of people were showing photos of the author who well doesn't appear to have eyebrows uh does have a rather large chin uh, uh kind of yeah. like stan smith from american dad if you're familiar with that he's oh, a very man. prominent chin has adult acne basically is you know a two you know Got so it. people were pointing so, that out like okay and again, this national debate about her eyebrows because and the thickness of her eyebrows, she's trying to make a statement with it. Is that the author's I, point? I, I don't know. Okay. I've, you know, I've heard different women talk about this before. And it does seem to be with brunettes that, that uh, like, if you have just a little bit of hair above your lip, and I'm not talking about a mustache, it's just a... Like anybody has mm -hmm. little bitty hairs, if they happen to be dark, they will hear from people. So you got a mustache, yeah. and then they get self-conscious about it, and they, you know, always wax and all that stuff. And then with the eyebrows, it's the same thing. That if they're thick at all, they feel like not all women. I'm just saying some that I've heard talk about this before get it like almost pencil thin, which to me is kind of a stranger look. I mean, who am I to judge? Yeah. 
but that that just sounds like woman on woman bashing there yeah well that that's what happens you know uh there is nobody more petty than an ugly liberal chick i mean that's just that's well, just a fact speaking of liberal chicks this story is a liberal chick going after other well not really uh liberal men that think they're chicks how's that okay okay i admit it man this is total clickbait um and this was from spiked online but i think i saw it at real clear politics they'll you know suggest some different stories out there and the title was my vagina is not a bonus hole a what bonus hole you know the front hole was the terminology for a while because if you actually use the word vagina it's offensive to the dudes that think they're women, the trans, you yeah. call that a trans woman. So they want to use trans-inclusive language. And bonus hole is now a part of that. Mm-hmm. So as... Bonus. It's not the lottery for crying out loud. What is that? <laughs> what is the bonus? Well, you have the one, but this is a bonus one. Yeah. Like, you don't need it <laughs> because the trans woman doesn't have it, but it's a bonus for you. Aren't you lucky? Okay. <laughs> so the writer of this is Julie Birchall, and she's in the U.K., and as she writes, the way this piece starts is the vagina, desired, dissed, and demonized since the dawn of time, since all of human life. It goes on to say, basically, because there's other words in this that I cannot use, also known as a you know, fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank, Um talking about she worked or she grew up in working class 1970s just regular sort of neighborhood and basically practically no one apart from sex ed teachers used the word vagina her point would be and it was other language to say down there mm -hmm. you know like more what would be considered appropriate okay so then she goes on to talk about Imagine having a daughter today starting school. You've, you know, very much been trying to use the correct word for her primary sex organ. It's okay, in her opinion, to say vagina. But she comes home from school squealing, mummy, mummy, I've got a bonus hole. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because that's what's being taught now yeah. to be inclusive. <laughs> that's how nuts all this is. That's also highly, uh, you know, grooming style language isn't it if you just reduce it to just like calling it a hole yeah then it's like well goodness. no big deal it's just a bonus i mean like you got it after you got uh, four new tires on your suv <laughs> you got a bonus hole thrown in there only from goodyear that's ridiculous yes it is um she said this sounds more like something from a gonzo porno movie than anything you'd hear from an organization it's supposed to be for women. <laughs> and she also said, <clears throat> Lord forbid that the majority of women living in the real world should ever be given more respect than a tiny minority of body dysmorphics who might be hurt or distressed by the word vagina. <laughs> but this is how crazy these people are. We'll say if this thing catches on, the whole bonus whole thing. There's, yes. There's going to be a lot of mini golf courses that are going to have to change some of the branding. <laughs> you know, there's always that one, like, hey, if you do this, you can win an extra prize if you get the hole-in-one. It's the bonus hole. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
No more of that. Can't have it. <laughs> the bonus cup. <laughs> I don't know, man. The whole thing is, again, for people that have dysphoria, you're changing everything. What kind of sense does that make? All right. New gun law out there that's unconstitutional, but a judge said, no, it is constitutional. We'll get to that much more. Come on. Okay. The Markley, Dan Camp, and Robert Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation this week. Okay, what is this new gun law, David? Uh, well, it's the, the, the gun law in Oregon that was narrowly passed uh, that has massive restrictions on what type of firearm law-abiding citizens can own, requiring training. The standards, by the way, um, are not really written in stone as to what would make you qualify to own a gun, which left a whole lot of local jurisdictions in law enforcement kind of confused. Like, so wait, we're supposed to just set this thing up on our own and without any guidance from the state, but the state said, hey, we want to grab the gun, so just shut up and do it. Um, so, of course, this is going to be a very closely watched law as it makes its way through the courts. Uh, it did, uh, people who were trying to strike this gun control measure down uh, got dealt a loss in court as a federal judge ruled that this measure is constitutional. This is U.S. District Judge uh, Karen Immergert uh, who said that uh, the requirement to get a permit to purchase a gun falls in line with the nation's history and tradition of regulating uniquely dangerous features of weapons and firearms to protect public safety. Of course, playing off of the Supreme Court ruling about uh, American tradition, which actually was going the opposite direction in saying that there are many gun laws that are unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. um, now, more importantly, or maybe one of the more unique parts of this is that the law also bans uh, the sale and transfer of firearms that are capable of taking more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Nope. So, yeah, a lot of people are saying, well, th this is ridiculous. I mean, some of the most popular guns in America right now come standard with 15. Yes. <laughs> or at a minimum 12. Um, large capacity. Probably, that's probably why they said 10. Yeah. Large capacity magazines, quote, says the judge, are not commonly used for self-defense and therefore not protected by the Second Amendment. What do you mean, not used for self-defense? Yeah, that's, that's, they are used for self-defense a lot. Again, you've talked about the demographics of who have bought so many guns over the last few years. Younger black women. Yes. Yeah. And you're saying, yeah, you don't need more than 10. Yeah, you don't, you don't need more than 10. Who cares? Yeah, practice your mag changes, which, by the way, yes, practice your mag changes. But, <laughs> but, you, but I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Most of the common everyday carry guns are, I mean, one of the more popular ones is the uh, Sig Sauer P365XL, which comes with 12. Yes. Standard. Yes. You can also add to that if you want. Uh-huh. Not that I well, yes, I would know. <laughs> but no, you're not going to stop that. That's crazy. No. I can't wait to see what happens with this. this and I, I can't wait to hear what our buddy Lars has to say about yeah, it later. no kidding. Lars Larson, he loves stories like that. Whew. <laughs> um, I don't know if you knew this, and maybe it's all making sense now, because remember, Robbins didn't know when he was going to be taking vacation yeah. or whatever, and then late last week he's like, yeah, I'm taking next week. I'm just taking it. Like, good, man, you should. That's awesome. And then I see... Oh, today's a National Tattoo Day. He's been talking about it. Do you think it's possible? <laughs> hmm? Yay. Well, I don't know. This is the Marshall Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation. So the Republicans have been infiltrated by Chinese spies. That's what we're supposed to be told by, or that's what we're led to believe, at least, by the uh, adults in charge, right? Uh, one of the several whistleblowers on Biden's corruption is a dude named Gal Luft. We've talked about him fairly yeah. extensively. Uh, he did work with China and with the Bidens. And, well, he's being charged for failing to register as a foreign agent for working with the same firm that Hunter Biden also worked with. Yeah. No one seems to want to answer the question, why him, not Hunter? Yeah, well, he's on the run claiming that his prosecution is political. He's also accused of running guns uh, without going through the proper permitting process to foreign yep. nations, trying to evade Iran sanctions and whatnot. And I'll just say this right here now. I'm not vouching for the guy's character. but the guy's I have got no a, idea. The guy's got a story to tell, and I think it's worth hearing. Yes, and if it was anyone else sitting in this situation, say, I don't know, Donald Trump, Don Jr., and this was the case, you better believe this would be all over news. No kidding. And apparently, though, the fact that Republicans want to talk with this dude, Gal Luft, uh, it means that Republicans have been infiltrated by Chinese spies, at least according to Democrat Jamie Raskin during an interview with MSNBC's Jen Psaki, who used to also it's... be the spokeswoman for the Biden administration. It's interesting. These people always accuse the others of doing things that they've already done. Right. All right, roll it. The Trump party has created such a topsy-turvy world that we're getting real low-life characters like George Santos, like Donald Trump, like Gal Luft, who say, I think I'm going to be able to launder all of my crimes mm -hmm. and wrap myself in the production they of the Republican Party. They see targets of people they could go after to help them. That's right. And so how concerned are you that James Comer was concerned. the chairman of the committee, was knowingly, unknowingly working with, co-opted co by a foreign a agent? I'm just concerned. Hold on a second. Yeah. Who is she referring to? James Comer, the head of House Oversight. Yes. It's fascinating, she, too, because she almost said colluding, but she yes. knows that that's a buzzword that will fall on deaf ears. So she changed it to co-opted by. Yeah. She's talking about Luft, right? Yeah. Dude, he just wants to talk to him. That's it. I'm just concerned that um, the House Oversight Committee is suddenly being compromised. They essentially have said, we will validate anybody who will say anything about the Bidens. And, of course, they haven't laid a glove on President Biden. Okay. <laughs> because you have the FBI protecting the Bidens. Again, you have bank records. No one can explain it. It's Ukraine. It's China. This money coming in. And then it gets put out to Biden family members, like nine of them. There's like 19 or 20 LLCs. They want to get to the bottom of it, but you have people within the justice system that are standing in the way, and you want to keep changing the story to get the dumb people that watch your network to keep believing your BS. It's maddening, man. Because, again, as you go on week after week after week in this country, 
And you know that half the country doesn't even know what's going on. No. And if you try to tell them, they think you're crazy. I feel like we're all in this same boat together. And it is ongoing frustration. You just got to believe it. Sooner or later, people are going to understand the truth. It does come out at some point. So that's what you're hoping for. Meanwhile, you had a little dust up between Tucker Carlson and Chris Christie over the weekend. And this had to do with Tucker uh, and a tweet. He kind of just shut Chris Christie down. And this is talking about Ukraine, because at the Republican Forum the other day in Iowa on Friday, Tucker Carlson is interviewing all these Republican candidates, except for Trump. And they're talking about a number of different things. And one of the things they were talking about was Ukraine. And when Chris Christie was on you know, ABC over the weekend, he said, I would have told Tucker, uh, you've been wrong about this and you're still wrong, talking about Ukraine. And in fact, uh, what's going on is that this is a proxy war with China. The Chinese are funding the Russian war by buying Russian oil. They're coordinating with the Iranians to provide lethal weapons to the Russian army. And we can decide when to have this conflict. Right now, the Ukrainians are willing to fight this for themselves. If they have our support, they'll be able to win it. If the Chinese watch us back away from Ukraine, as Tucker Carlson and others would advocate, believe me, the next move would be Taiwan. So Tucker Carlson, how does he respond to that? Well, he tweeted out, sounds like this could use a longer conversation. We just asked Governor Christie to sit down and explain his views on Ukraine. He refused. Um, You hate to think that Chris Christie is a blustery coward who plays the tough guy with these people at ABC but won't answer real questions, but who knows? We hope he reconsiders. Yeah. Well, that's all Chris Christie is, really. He, Pretty much. He, I mean, the thing is, is he lost his dignity when he, after the dust up with Trump. That's and, true. And the whole shine of him being this sort of New Jersey tough guy and whatnot, that whole act got exposed for the farce that it was. And he might have been a fine governor. That, that could be true. But then post-governor, he wanted the job. Mm-hmm. So that's why he sucked up to Trump. And it didn't work out for him. And now it just seems like he's trying to hold on to a job. That's the whole reason he's running for president, because one of the things, as far as I can tell, his job is to try to take out Trump, right? Mm -hmm. Which means the powers that be that want Trump out will have a place for Chris Christie when it's all said and done. It's like working for the next job. Well, that's why he's not spent a lot of time on the campaign trail. He spent more time on cable news and ABC. Yeah, he knows he doesn't have a chance. I think he understands that. Okay, moving on to other things. A uh, story out of Oakland. What's this? Oh, man. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're told that uh, things are actually fine in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? It's all these right-wing uh, commentators who are blowing the crime situation out of proportion and blah, blah, blah. That's what we keep getting told, right? Okay. In Oakland, the police department recommended residents reinforce their doors and install security cameras because, well, there's been a spike in home invasion robberies. In Oakland, where thieves are just coming in, they're ransacking homes, even when residents are there. And the department said, well, you know, we got an increase in these uh, break-ins across several neighborhoods. So, hey, you might, it might be a good idea to reinforce your front door so no one comes by and kicks it in. Oakland, again, another one of these cities that did defund the police. But don't call attention to it. No. Because if you do, then you're going to contribute to the problem, according to them. Right. Okay. 
wow. So when it's the cops saying, yeah, you better do this or you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Yeah. Um, I did see this. Uh, I guess this is kind of news. Um, there's different terms for different things. Uh, sometimes people could be forgetful for years on end um, or not pay attention. And you find out, oh, the person has ADD. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a person that was diagnosed, I still don't know that I totally buy it. But, yeah, I, I think that there's something to it. Some can be, uh, pay attention better than others. That being said... If you know someone that's late all the time, well, there's an excuse for that. Okay. You know what it is? What's that? Time blindness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like add, add another color on the rainbow flag here, right? We need representation for the time blind. Hey, listen, as somebody that might have been afflicted, I, I don't want any color on the flag, all right? <laughs> I'm not asking for it. I'm not even saying that I believe in this, but I'm... When I get into the story, you'll understand, I think, a little bit of what they're getting at. Okay. Chronically late people. Of course, they have excuses. And if you're trying to do better at being on time, you set up uh, systems. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, I'm not very good at leaving at the time I need to leave to be on time. So you're setting that time and I need to leave by this time. And you can do it. Not saying that. But they said time blindness is a real thing. And I would say, well, just hear it out because I'm still like, really, time blindness? Okay. It's a way of talking about the concept of losing track of time. Some people can be more prone to it than others is what they say. I don't know if you buy this Mm -hmm. or not again, but they said our brains are constantly shifting between two types of attention, automatic attention and directed attention. Automatic attention is sort of your happy place. It's how you focus when you're doing something that you like or you find interesting. Directed attention is what you use when you're engaged in things that you have to do, but you really don't want to do. Mm. So during periods of automatic attention, you can get so engrossed and hyper-focused that you lose track of time. But during directed attention... It can be hard to stay focused at all. Mm. So you're very aware of what time it is. I think that's there's something to that. Yeah, I can understand but that. To me, it's simply, well, you enjoy doing it and you get lost in it. Yeah. Okay, it's still no excuse to be late. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You I mean, got to set your you alarm, do whatever you have to do. Yeah, it's like what? You're running a business and someone is late getting back to the office. You know, I, I was at the gym, and I was really immersed in my lift today, and I just lost track of time. I'm a half hour late. No. You still have to know exactly what's going on and what time it is. Mm-hmm. But for some people, they're going to use that. You know, it, I don't know if you know this. I'm time blind. Yeah. Can I get so a— So you have to excuse me for being late? Can I get, like, a handicap sticker for that? I mean, because you're late, that, that way you can just park closer and right. get your things exactly. done well, earlier. I'm time blind. I've got a disability, and so I deserve the sweet, sweet upfront parking. <laughs> uh, no, because as a person that's diagnosed with ADD, I want that spot. Because if I don't get in there fast, I'm going to forget exactly what I'm even there for. Okay. <laughs> so but then no, you'll you forget that you have the special handicapped spark, uh, parking space, and you'll just drive into the storefront. I might. Did you saw a squirrel? Uh, Maybe. It's possible. All right. There's a lot to get to. Colleges and universities are fearing a steep decline in income. Well, why would that be? 
We'll get to that and news update next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation this week. So colleges and universities are fearing a steep decline in income. Yeah, the outlook for colleges and universities, financially speaking, doesn't look great, at least according to uh, the financial leaders of many institutions. Uh, There's the trade publication called Inside Higher Ed. They did a survey of 219 chief business officers at public, private, nonprofit, and for-profit campuses. Mm -hmm. And at this point now, uh, 47% of those working at public colleges and universities said they expected their financial condition to deteriorate in the coming school year. And that's actually way higher than what college and university presidents said in the same survey. 22% of university presidents say... Yeah, our economic conditions are going to deteriorate. So the people who are actually crunching the numbers are pretty worried about the financial future of their institutions. And there are a lot of reasons for that. One, inflation has actually hit universities with the food programs and things like that. Yeah. And then enrollments declined. We've seen a steady decline in enrollment really for a while, but it was supercharged by the pandemic because a lot of people were told, oh, yeah, you're still going to have to pay the same, if not higher, tuition, but you're not going to be allowed to actually be on campus or go inside a classroom. So then a lot of people woke up and said, well, what the hell am I paying for? Right. The other side of it, too, is think about the if you are a uh, Democrat that's been arguing for uh, student loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. talk about a self-defeating argument because you're broadcasting no to the world about what a scam college is for most people. Yes, you really are. But, you know, you just can't put a price tag on that college experience. Yeah, but see, the colleges do. Yeah, they do. They put a price tag on it. And by that, when they say the college experience, what do they mean? Uh, camaraderie of getting a fine education, Jamie. That's what they're... <laughs> no, it's about being away from home and being responsible for yourself and being on time and taking care of your own things. Because uh, you can't do that renting an apartment somewhere. No, you can't. Yet, again, man, just what makes financial sense. Yeah. And it depends. What are you going to school for? And are you going to a four-year school? Is it, you know, what, thirty grand a year? And you're getting all your gen eds done yeah. the first two years while you're paying out that amount of money when you could go to a JUCO and get the same classes? It doesn't make sense. I, I saw a story over the weekend that I thought was really funny. There's this, uh, uh, they, somebody on TikTok, of course, because that's like half the news now, but was pointing out that the custodian at her place of business, at her work, made more money than she did. And she was like, I will never look at this the same way again. I have a college degree. Oh, that guy cleans up crap for a living, and you need him. And so, yeah, he makes more money than you do. Right. And, I, and you know, that goes in tandem with uh, other surveys that have come out really in the last couple of years where – a lot of people are taking a second look at the trades, at blue-collar jobs that don't require some degree Absolutely. because in the end, you can be making pretty good amount of money earlier if you go into something uh, that isn't, you know, I'm a social media manager for some bank, right? That right, yeah. Make a lot more money uh, even doing home demolition and renovation. Sure, you know, heating and cooling, yeah, plumbing, all those different things. Yeah, apprenticeships, and you're making 
really good money and someone else is starting the game 70 grand in debt yeah yeah that's certainly part of it you talk about that stuff all the time um but it is this sort of thing i think that starts at a pretty young age with so many kids is what you're going to college Mm -hmm. and it's not the well and we're not going to go the juco route because that's for the you know yeah not the esteemed people Mm -hmm. yeah i mean those attitudes got to change or you can just keep throwing money down the toilet but it's not for somebody else to pay for your debts because you made bad choices sorry this is talking about saving money this could be the wave of the future micro weddings you heard about this no let's say you know having a big wedding you got a bunch of family friends that's all great but not everybody can afford it and so They've looked at uh, different statistics, and what it's showing is people are having smaller and smaller weddings. What could end up to be micro-weddings, which would be 50 guests or less. Okay. That sort of thing. Isn't that the way they kind of started? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever been to a huge wedding before. Most of the weddings I've gone to have been about 50 people, maybe a little less than that. Oh, I've been to some big weddings, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Well, I don't have any friends, so I don't get invited. I was going to say, that's really, no, we just got sad. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. (laughs) Really? So that's the biggest story of the day. I don't even have to ask. You haven't been to a wedding of more than 50 people. It's it's been a while since, well, the last wedding I went to, it was, well, I think we actually talked about it on the show. I didn't even know the person, but Mm -hmm. it was a friend of my wife's, and I was really ticked off because it was a cash bar. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that big of a crowd. It's like, man, you know, you can, beer and wine, you can't provide that to the guests? Apparently not. So, I mean, is it really that terrible for you to pay for your own well, alcohol at that little, point? Well, selfish there, taking time out of my busy day. <laughs> and this is why the micro weddings are taking yeah. off. Have I, have I mentioned that I don't have any friends? Yeah, there. I'm, I'm starting to get that loud and clear. <laughs> Clarence Thomas should be impeached because he's not black enough. Yeah, who said that? We'll get to that next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins, the sexy boomer, on vacation this week. I happen to see this from Daily Wire. Joe Biden's nominee to lead the National Institute of Health allegedly received millions of dollars in research-related funds from big pharmaceutical companies. Well, of course. It's a revolving door. Yeah. This is from a watchdog group, the American Accountability Foundation. Uh, They had a report. They talked to the New York Post. They uh, told the Post that this nominee, Dr. Monica Bertagnoli, has problematic close ties with Big Pharma. What are they talking about here? said, well, the big pharma bankrolled her career, and she has been a long friend and ally to them, especially after the corruption and lies that came from the government's medical agencies during COVID. The American people need to know that NIH will be led by honest people who serve them and are not owned by massive corporations. Well, that would be good. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people believe that right now. Um, let's see. Where did they get to the statement of uh, the White House? Oh, yeah, these studies that she was a part of, the nominee, mm-hmm. they ensured that rural communities were part of these trials. Funding for large clinical trials like these come from a number of sources, including companies participating in the trials. That's standard. 
Uh, the watchdog group, however, said uh, there was also secondary funds that flowed through to her salary at Boston's Brigham and Women's Hospital, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where she is a researcher. They're saying the money just flowed that way. She did receive more than $350 million in research-related funds from pharmaceutical giants, mm-hmm. including $56 million from Pfizer and AstraZeneca. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do think it's important that people feel like they could trust these institutions, and right now it's obliterated. Yeah. Well, yeah, they did it to themselves, too. They did. Oh, totally self-inflicted. Okay, I got to hear this story because I hadn't heard it yet. So Clarence Thomas. Yeah. An American hero mm-hmm. should be impeached from the Supreme Court. Why? Because he's not black enough? Yeah, that's according to Minnesota's uh, Democrat Attorney General, Keith Ellison. Oh, that um, guy. Yeah, so part of it uh, was he made the statement that uh, Clarence Thomas was uh, like one of the characters from Django Unchained. I guess it was the one played by Samuel L. Jackson, I think, the house slave that that turns in who well, I never saw the movie. So it's hard for me to explain the reference, but um, yeah, anyway, I'm pretending like I know what you're talking about. I didn't see it either. Yeah. But anyway, so I, that was one of the references that he made. And then he went on to say this. Okay. He's like, I'm looking out for me and I don't care nothing about you. And, but I'm on the Supreme court. So it's my job to look out for you. So he's abdicating responsibility. He has abdicated a long time ago when he got on the off, when he got in office, he was this way. He's this way now. Maybe he's worse now. So Clarence Thomas needs to be impeached. Clarence Thomas is illegitimate and has no basis in the job that he's in. And it's a lesson to us as African-Americans. Mm. What is the lesson? Yeah, what is the lesson? We all thought, well, he's a black man raised in the deep south. He knows what racism, segregation is. He knows what affirmative action is. He's going to come around one day. Understand that it's not a matter of pigment. It's a matter. It's not what's on your skin. It's what's in your mind. Yeah, and his mind has been pretty sound for a long time. Yeah. You don't think he's sitting there looking at a lightweight like you, Keith, thinking, I'm hoping maybe he'll come around and have clarity in his thought. Yeah. Instead of being, well, I don't know, chained to the thoughts that he has had for years and years. I don't know. Got to be careful with that stuff, Keith. You do. Man, oh, man. And on it goes. A black conservative. Yeah. According yeah. to the left, part of white supremacy. Because they think different. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, if you're looking at the two ways of thinking about America and race, and, you know, whether you're off Officer Tatum or Clarence Thomas, I mean... It's a long list. Or if you're just going with, you know, current left thinking, permanent left thinking, in the end, which way of thinking is more successful? Which way actually gives you a better life, more joy in your life, and more success, and to bring that success to other people? The black conservatives, it's not even close. Well, one puts a premium on actually you know working and working to improve not only your own situation but everybody else's and providing an opportunity to actually do the work literally do the work i don't mean that in a woke way but actually go out and earn a living and 
rise to success because of your own intelligence, because of your own effort. And the Keith Ellisons of the world actually want to keep a lot of people down by telling them there's nothing they can do without the government's help. Right. So is he talking about selfish? No, it's because if all of a sudden people adapt that thought, race hustlers like Keith Ellison don't have a job. Oh, yeah, completely. Wow. That's something, though. I shouldn't be surprised to hear that. No. Well, this yeah. is the same guy who slapped around his girlfriend. Is that allegedly or is that proven? Uh, well, the, the cops didn't even bother investigating it. Wow. <laughs> Quite a guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Um, reconciliation. Yeah. Department of Reconciliation. What is this about? Yeah, Democrat Representative Al Green says uh, we need a Department of Reconciliation to atone for America's sins. So we need a whole department that will start every day with the thought of how can we make Americans feel bad about the country in which they live. He explained what the Secretary of Reconciliation would be, what they would do, what their focus would be. Okay. Let's hear this nonsense. A secretary whose job it would be to wake up every morning with conciliation, reconciliation on his or her mind. Okay. And that secretary would have undersecretaries, just as we have undersecretaries in the Department of Labor, Commerce, Education, undersecretaries that would have various aspects of reconciliation to deal with and rec- what what is reconciliation explain it to me that that it, it's it's basically a broad term for continuing uh reparations i think uh no yeah. and reconciliation would be broader than the enslaved people reconciliation would also include others who's who's enslaved right now uh well, there are people enslaved in this country, but the left wants to believe, make you believe that uh, that's a QAnon conspiracy theory. Okay. All right. With whom we have not reconciled. We need to reconcile. We have not reconciled. Okay. So basically, it's, let's start a, uh, a department of DEI and ESG. All right. Okay. You know... I hear this, and I can't help but think it, and I've had this conversation with so many different people over the years, and you've heard this before. Sorry, uh, again, David, we've talked about this. I, I hear stuff like that. I think about the different times of serving in the inner city, and it might be cleaning up um, you know, a playground for little kids because it was highly trafficked um, by people that, well, didn't really care. They'd throw garbage everywhere. There's broken glass everywhere. Okay, so you're spending hours getting this broken glass out of the playground, picking up garbage everywhere. And why are you doing this? Well, it's a bunch of people from your local church that are trying to do, you know, something to improve the community as a whole and especially the the inner city. And for these kids, because people have a heart for those kids. And so you're saying this is a way that we can, you know, either give back or improve somebody else's life. Okay, so. I remember the first time doing that, thinking, okay, this is a good thing because I'm seeing these little kids walk by and they're going to be able to go down the slide without worrying about falling and their knee going into, you know, a big, sharp piece of glass. This mm-hmm. would be good. Fast forward, 
I think it was a year, a solid year later. We're going to go out and do it again. Dude, it was just as bad yeah. doing it the second time as the first. And I'm sitting there going, I'm taking time away from my own kids to go do this. And I'm looking at able-bodied adults walking in, coming from the convenience store with sacks of stuff, watching you and your other people cleaning up stuff. I'm like, why are they not cleaning this up? Mm-hmm. This is stupid. My good, you're, you could do this. And that was the last time that I did it. And then I hear, oh, you know, something's got to be done, you know, as far as reconciliation, whatever, whatever. Again, <laughs> all I saw that day, and I know it's anecdotal, that was white people, okay? I didn't see other people of color saying, you know what, we want to help out because they'd say, well, no, let the fools do that. They come in and feel good about themselves mm-hmm. because they're helping somebody else out. Sorry for the rant. I'm just, like, so tired of all of that nonsense. Give me a break. All right. On to the Wall Street Journal. Here's a piece. Why nothing gets done between 4 and 6 p.m.? <laughs> it's the new workday dead zone. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of this, no. It says, late afternoon when many colleagues vanish. Why so many managers hate hybrid work. <laughs> partly working from home, partly working yeah. from the office. And it goes on to talk about uh, like a 4 p.m. meeting is canceled because half the team can't make it. You send an email with what would have been the main discussion points and the replies roll in through the evening and into the next morning. A consensus that could have been reached before dinner now uh, forms the next day. And so as they say this, well, ever since of COVID, you had people that could have, you know, sort of their own schedule. As long as they got their work done, maybe mm-hmm. it does happen at 7 o'clock at night. And I got this part of the afternoon where maybe it's my turn to give the kids a ride to practice, or I could get to the gym earlier in the afternoon, or I could beat traffic before it really gets thick in the afternoon and do some other things, and then I'll get back to work later. And managers of those types of situations hate it. Oh, I bet. I mean – because you, you don't know who's actually going to be on hand for at any given point. I can understand why that would be a scheduling nightmare. Yes, I do too. But doesn't it come down to, because I've talked to different managers, and the ones that I think are really smart are the ones that say, listen, if I've got really good people and they're getting it done, I want to give them the flexibility. Yeah. I want them happy in the job because there's other places they could go. I want to keep them. I don't want to be like, no, 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 you have to be here at this time or we're going to have to find somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's no. that's one of the whole things that this conversation is going on. Also, from. if it's just scheduling meetings, I think a lot of managers could do well for themselves by really reconsidering how productive those meetings are. Yes. You don't. Do you really need the weekly meeting? Do you really need the you know daily thing? And. For crying out loud, don't schedule a meeting at 4 p.m. Everyone's toast anyway. Just let them finish their job and go home. Yeah. But a lot of people feel like, and, you know, I'm not agreeing with it. Yeah, but then it makes sure that you're here and that you're at least getting something done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about that. Right now, at least in this environment, if you got good people, you're doing everything you can to yeah. hold on to those people. Let's see. Okay. Okay, here's a question for you. What state now will require people to rent or sell property to illegal aliens? The answer to that in a news update next.
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. This is distracted. I just saw that uh, another one of the squad has to apologize for a verbal attack on Israel. Yeah. Really? Uh, Pramila Jayapal, um, the head of a state visit, said that Israel was a racist state. <laughs> Uh, it is. I noticed that didn't make the Today Show or Good Morning America. No, you know it, it's it's fascinating to me because the uh, the the defense from the left is always, well, we don't like the policies of Israel with regards to the Palestinians, mm-hmm. and that's what we're speaking out against our 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 perception of of human rights abuses or whatever. And so that's always the defense when somebody says, "Hey, you sound pretty anti-Semitic." Mm-hmm. But that defense makes no sense on the part of liberals because they never say that about China. China True. is a racist state. Explicitly, you want to know? I mean, dude, they were uh, when Marvel movies were shipped over there for screening for Chinese audiences. Yes. On the movie posters, they were lightening the skin of black actors. That's true. In it because yeah, they they are it's not white supremacy it's han supremacy and and they literally have ethnic minorities locked up in concentration camps correct that, that's a racist country wow man but they only go after israel could it you be see the, it time and time again could it be they don't really like the jews hmm. well yeah of course that's what it is they just you know can only go so far and then they have to back off of that yeah. well that's not what i meant Sure it is. Okay, so what's the state that will now require people to rent or sell property to illegal aliens? Oh, Illinois law set to go into effect at the beginning of 2024 will ban landlords from discriminating against potential uh, potential tenants on the basis of their immigration status. Well, J.B. Prisker still thinks he can run for president one day if he has enough woke points, huh? I don't think he can run any distance, honestly. But anyway, (laughs) Illinois Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker signed SB 1817 into law. They'll add protections in the Illinois Human Rights Act for housing regarding immigration status protection and discriminatory advertising is what they say. Okay, if you're a landlord, you're going down a list of things anyway who you're going to rent to. Yeah. How are you going to prove that? Yeah, you discriminated because that person's not even here legally. Yeah, well, I guess you got to have a quota of a certain number of illegals living in your properties. No, I, <laughs> good luck I, with I, that. Again, I don't know how you're gonna, how you're going to really track any of this stuff. This is part of several pieces of legislation, though, that JB signed last month, including another law that gives uh, undocumented immigrants access to uh, driver's licenses. Got it. No, you don't need an address. No. Well, now, now, see, now you can get an address. All right. Okay. All right. Again, man, this just feels like, yeah, we can say this, and this was part of SB eighteen seventeen. We did this so that yeah. he's at some fundraiser talking, and we were able to do this mm-hmm. because we care about people here illegally. Blah mm. blah 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 blah. Talk and then to the, the dopes in the crowd. Yeah, go JB. Yeah, I'd love to hear the thoughts of some of the black folks that live on the south side of Chicago who've been raising all sorts of hell because illegal immigrants are taking their resources. Oh, dude, we've heard from some of those people before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want bad to happen to anybody, but to not say it's somewhat hilarious to hear that would be a lie. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Marshall. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation this week. I think Robbins, I mean, he wasn't saying exactly what he was doing. I think he's on the cocaine caper. He wants to solve that. <laughs> he was frustrated the other day when they closed down the investigation and come to find out they didn't even talk to Hunter Biden at all. That's did, not even a joke. They didn't talk to Hunter Biden? Nope. More on that. We'll get to that uh, coming up in a bit. Before we get there. You have some Kamala Harris news. Well, the yeah. clock is banging? Yes. What does that mean? Well, you know, we've got, uh, of course, uh, a heat wave happening across the United States, and apparently that's be- all because of climate change, because there's never been a heat wave before. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, okay. Vice President Kamala Harris gave a grave warning about climate change. Okay. It is clear that the clock is not only ticking, it is banging, and we must act. <laughs> It's banging. What are we supposed to do? What is she saying? I don't know. Okay. Well, I again, it, the the whole thing with the heat wave and all of this saying, oh, this is all climate change. I mean, the Today Show called it a climate crisis that, that we're all feeling right now. They always mention that there are record-breaking temperatures. They never mention yes. when those records were initially set. Which, in one case in Phoenix, they're saying, oh, my gosh, they're gonna, they're, we're probably going to break the record for consecutive days and of 110-degree uh, temperatures. That was set in the 1970s. Yes. And then I have to ask the question, what, did climate change take a break for 50 years, or what happened here? Uh, they also had somebody at Death Valley because they thought that maybe the temperature would reach 130. Now, the, the record, I believe, is 134 which was set in 1913. And as the report from the Today Show went, no, 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 it wasn't the Today Show. Maybe it was Good Morning America. Um, they said, well, just missed it by a few degrees. Well, by five degrees, that, which is a lot, actually. Again, man, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and then again last week. You could feel this coming on mm-hmm. from just, and I don't even like doing this as part of the gig, but one of the things we talked about a long time ago was, One of us should at least watch the Today Show, Good Morning America, to see exactly what they're creating for their own news cycle. Mm -hmm. And we take turns doing that sort of thing. But you could see it happening. It was the lead story so many times. And from watching this through the years, you're like, okay, there's a play involved. What what are they after? And you felt like it's been leading up to something. And now I think we're starting to get the payoff. Yeah. It's it's to gin up panic and fear. It's it's. We really, uh, a lot of the news coverage and a lot of the reaction, as devastating as it was, was pretty instructive during the pandemic because we saw the climate change coverage mm-hmm. uh, basically boiled down into just about a year where you saw the trend, hey, maybe this is something we should be worried about, keep an eye on, oh my gosh, alarm bells are ringing, and suddenly you're signing away your rights uh, in order to yep. sort of satiate whatever... Exactly. Uh, need is out there. I mean, Reuters today published a story about how climate change was affecting two women in Rome who have albinism. 
What? They there's two sisters. They're 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 albinos. Okay. And how because of a heat wave in Italy that is affecting them more because obviously yes if you have if you're albino that you're more sensitive to sunlight because you don't have uh you, your your skin does not produce protective pigment and so yes you are more sensitive to sunlight but i i'm pretty sure and it's not to like knock down the plight of I, these two albinos right. in italy but i'm sure summer always is terrible for them but yes that's not that's not like climate change i don't know it feels like they just made a story up using a dartboard it's like okay we're going to do climate change albinism and italy make a story happen fellas right yes now what it feels like right now because if you've paid attention to this for a while and i'm sure as you're just listening to this remembering different years whether they were talking about you know somewhere in the midwest or it was death valley i can remember one year it was how many days in a row over 110 it was in phoenix you know different summers it's like this winters well this the biggest blizzard in history at this different place that sort of thing happens okay so the planet is a degree or two warmer than it was 100 years ago and you okay but what does it mean really going forward into the future what does it mean 10 years from now 50 years from now and you get the people that study this stuff and they're not ringing any alarm bells or banging gongs or anything else. Like, yes, there are different patterns. And it's no hyperbole. It's, yes, we could work on some things to do this. But you have to understand, if you're talking about, say, I don't know, electric vehicles, in the long run, that could be more harmful to the environment. And here's how. And you have these reasonable conversations about it. We're getting played. That's what it feels yeah. like from media right now. By the way, before we move completely off of Kamala Harris, I want to share this with you because I don't know if you happen to see this tweet. Kamala Harris had tweeted out over the weekend, trust women to know what is in their best interests. And it's a picture of her at her desk. She's got the flags. And it says reproductive freedom is about trusting women to make decisions about their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And then Vice President Kamala Harris. Riley Gaines. The swimmer from Kentucky yeah, that has been very vocal about the trans issue as far as dudes competing in women's sports because she got railroaded in swimming and college swimming said, what about trusting women to know what's best for their bodies when it comes to the vaccine or when it comes to sharing locker rooms with men flashing male genitalia? The caption of trust women to know what is in their best interest really means, quote, let us tell women what is in their best interest. And if you don't agree, you're a bigot. Yeah, like, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yes, and that's the whole game. Good for you, Riley Gaines. Thought that was pretty cool. Meanwhile, uh, media paying attention to Ron DeSantis right now, but not in the way Ron DeSantis would like. No. no Saying they, the campaign has fired some people. Yeah. It's not going well so far. They're recalibrating or, or yeah, recentering. That kind of stuff, and and sure, I mean, if you're really betting heavy on Ron DeSantis, that's a, that's a tough uh, moment when you're, you know, just a month or so in, and you're already firing a bunch of campaign staff, and you're coming in. I mean, I, I think sometimes the uh, the Trump influencers or the Trump campaign make mm -hmm. a little too much hay out of this, considering the turnover that he had in his campaign. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's it's never good when you have that kind of turnover, but. 
certainly for all of the hype that, uh, or at least I think the high expectations that many of us had for uh, Ron DeSantis, it's not panning out that way right now. Right. But again, I keep thinking there hasn't even been a debate. It's early, whatever. But DeSantis was on Fox over the weekend talking with Howard Kurtz. Howard didn't want to hurt Ron's feelings. (laughs) But he had to bring up some criticism. Common media criticism, and I don't want to hurt your feelings here, is that you are lacking in charisma. You've heard this a hundred or a thousand times. You don't have the common touch with voters. Obviously, you won a record-breaking landslide victory in Florida, so some people like you. Uh, But are you finding the media (laughs) overemphasize personality over policy? But they have a predetermined narrative. I mean, for example, they used to say, oh, the governor doesn't do retail campaigning. He's not going to be able to go to Iowa. And then, you know, yesterday I'm out there doing events. You know, we have 30, 40 people at some of these things, shaking hands, answering questions, doing all that. They're like, oh, well, he can do it. So these are predetermined narratives that they have. And I think if you look at my reelection, obviously historic landslide, a state of Florida that had been a one-point state. But the things that voters would say is, Typically, in an election, you vote for the lesser of two evils. In this case, I'm proud to cast an affirmative vote for a leader that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And I think we developed a a loyalty and a support that no governor has been able to do. And that's because we've stood up for people when it counts. But I think when they do some of the subjective things, uh, the reason why they're doing it is because objectively, I've got a great record to run on. Political success, huge policy success. These are things that not only Republican voters have bought into. I stopped there for a second. Mm-hmm. Good answer to the question. Yeah. Here's the problem that you run into. Because I understand national media is going to do the, the horse race mm-hmm. aspect of it, which, of course, personality takes center stage. They want to have a, yep. a snappy soundbite. They want to be able to react to things. Mm-hmm. And I, that, so on the national level, it's a different game. Particularly because in the state of Florida, you could go to voters and say, here's what I've done for you over the last four years. You've seen it. You've felt it. Many of you moved here from another state because of these policies that I've put in place. So you're more intimately aware of, even if you don't follow the horse race part of politics, you are very intimately aware of how those policies have affected you. That's not the same if you aren't living in Florida, you kind of need That's to true. have some charisma. Because he set the record there. Yeah. As far as re-election. Megyn Kelly was probably right when she said, you know, he should go on MSNBC or mm-hmm. CNN. Because when he is battling with a liberal reporter, he's really good. Yeah. Maybe it's time for something like that. We'll see where it goes. Meanwhile, Trump says Zelensky is an honorable guy. Yeah, Donald Trump has said that, well, he could solve the war in Ukraine in one day. He was asked to explain that during an interview with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News. Okay. In a day. Man, that's pretty quick. I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good, with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more. you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. Your reaction, David? Well, I mean, that's, that's typical Trump, you know, going 
with, with the bravado and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen some of the uh, pro-DeSantis people saying, oh, see, he's going to just give a bunch of weapons to Ukraine. Well, I, I don't know. I think there is sort of that push and pull that he's demonstrating. He's mm-hmm. saying, hey, look, Ukraine, you're going to have to take one for the team here. And yeah. Russia, if you don't come to terms with Ukraine, then, yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, supply Ukraine with weaponry. And, and the Trump administration did yeah. supply Ukraine with weaponry. I think in a convoluted and complicated situation like our assistance to Ukraine, people want it to be all or nothing or one or the other. And the world doesn't just work that way. No, not in this deal, man. No. Or it's going to go on forever. Yeah. Okay. All right, real quick, San Francisco. Yeah. Are you telling me there are critics saying the problem is it's not diverse enough? That's San Francisco's issues right now? Not not in terms of race or gender. Uh, this is about the types of businesses and whatnot that are available okay. downtown. The Associated right. Press did a lengthy story about the demise of downtown San Francisco because well, you got a ton of retailers, hotel owners, mall uh, management right. companies cashing out and leaving, telling the bank, it's yours, I'm done. Uh, and apparently what's to blame is the pandemic, first and foremost. Uh, as the author writes, San Francisco has become the prime example of what downtown shouldn't look like, vacant, crime-ridden, and in various stages of decay. But in truth, it's just one of many cities across the U.S. whose downtowns are reckoning with post-pandemic wake-up calls, diversify or die. you got to bring in attractions and things like that. Because San Francisco is definitely known for not having any tourist destinations downtown. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like all these cities, yeah. I know right now, if you look, Orlando, Tampa, uh, Miami, Dallas. Oh, they're just suffering right now. No, they're not. (laughs) They didn't lock everything down either. Anyway, okay. So the cocaine caper at the White House, no need to ask Hunter about that. That story next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. He is on vacation. Well, Secret Service could not solve the cocaine caper at the White House. Nope. Can't be solved. Did their best effort. Yeah. Did everything they could. They take it very seriously, cocaine in the White House. What I've heard, yeah. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton was on Fox, and he was asked about it after the host goes through. Okay, they they went through all this. No fingerprints on the baggie, apparently. Uh, Exhaustive. Yeah. Okay, investigation lasting less than 10 days. Uh, Tom Cotton, what's your take on this? Because he has a funny line, I think. We've got no answers. That's not surprising. The Secret Service is a troubled agency that's long had challenges. Uh, it probably needs new leadership. I-, I take this very seriously. I mean, what if this was anthrax? This is supposed to be the most secure building in the world. Right. If the Secret Service closed down this investigation after just a few days. It's my understanding they barely conducted in- any interviews. I-, I don't think they interviewed the president's son, who's a known cocaine addict. This is like if Hamburglar lived in the White House and all the hamburgers disappeared. And they said they didn't have any suspects or no one they could question. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad, man. But for a senator, that's not bad. Here's the rest of what he said. They know who went through those doors because so they can interview them as well. Yeah. If the president were really serious about it, he could demand everybody that goes through, do- through those doors submit to a drug test. You can use hair testing samples and identify anyone who's used cocaine in the last few months. Those are the steps you would take if you took this seriously. This just seems like another Biden cover-up. Sure does. 
It, yeah, which, which means it was probably his son or somebody else too important to, you know, publicly identify. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, it makes no sense that it's left in this cubby. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to rehash the whole thing, but just to, so everybody knows the state of play, for some reason, we're supposed to believe that someone left a baggie of cocaine in a cubby with a Secret Service official 10 feet away. That's right. So we know roughly the time when it would have been left in said cubby. Yep. But yet, just uncrackable case right here. Yeah. No, which makes me believe it wasn't found in any cubby. It was Hunter dropped it on his way to Marine One when they were were flying to Camp David. Yeah. Then he had a really itchy flight there. (laughs) Come on, man. Crazy, man. Dude, real quick, I saw the headline. I knew you had the story. There was a country music star accused of racism after covering a song. Luke Combs covered Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Okay. And it's been wildly successful. But that's not good enough for writers at the Washington Post, who said, although many are thrilled to see Fast Car back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Chapman's work, it's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman, 59, would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. Oh, just be thankful. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay, we may need to spend some more time on that. We can. Oh, goodness gracious. The guy covered a song he liked. What the hell? What do you want? (laughs) To be able to gripe and moan about everything. There are just some people that are miserable. You know, and some have, well, it's because of this country is so bad and we're just Mm -hmm. going to lean into that forever and be miserable people. Yeah. Well, I guess you can. And everybody else, you just say, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Don't care. You know, something else we got to get to along with the news update. Okay. Disney is doing one of those live remakes. They're doing it of Snow White. Mm -hmm. And Snow White is Hispanic. Okay. And there's a big controversy that's so hilarious. Next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation. All right. A few things we got to take care of here. First of all, looks like Ron DeSantis is going to be interviewed by Jake Tapper. Yeah. So I, I think this is part of the retooling of the campaign to try to get out in front of and, and have a combative Uh, style of interview with somebody in the mainstream press so he's going to be interviewed by jake tapper of cnn tomorrow uh you know they had had the uh strategy of ignoring mainstream press altogether Mm -hmm. which you know i i think at least while he was just running the state of florida i think that was that's probably the right call because they were going to take every quote out of context it's one of the reasons why I mean, there have been a few occasions where we get asked to do an interview with some outlet that we know is, you know, going to take half of one of our sentences and blow it out of proportion and all of that. It's like it's not even worth the headache. Who cares? Right. But it's it's one thing. If it's live, recorded, that's different. Yeah. But, yeah, this I think this could be really good. I mean, it's interesting to me, Jake Tapper, (laughs) especially not long ago. Well, I won't interview or be a part of anything with robert f kennedy jr because he is all about conspiracy theories and all i can think is you're supposed to be the quote journalist yeah 
Isn't that your gig? Uh, yeah, it is. But he wants no part of it. Interesting. But at least DeSantis? Yeah, that could be really good, actually. I want to see that. Now, as far as Luke Combs and the Tracy Chapman song, Fast Car. Yeah. And it's become a hit. And so that's got to make Tracy Chapman some money. Sure. And bring attention to her. That's a good thing. But critics are saying, what? Uh, they're, they're, they're worried that it's uh, uh, leading to a complicated conversation about race. Washington Post had a, had a story about this um, saying that although many are thrilled to see Fast Car back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Chapman's work, it's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman, 59, would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. She wasn't a country musician. Well, they're saying you can't have success being black in country? Yeah, talk to Darius Rucker about that for a minute. No kidding. <laughs> um, now, I thought it was interesting because there, there's a uh, an organization for black country music singers and fans called Black Opry. Uh, they voiced their disappointment at Chapman for being a middleman for a white man's success. <laughs> and they did say, <laughs> I, I, I do want to say this. I think that part of their statement got... Again, we're talking about dishonest media members made it seem like they were outraged about it when they really weren't totally outraged. Okay. I mean, the statement itself is pretty ridiculous, and I'll just read it here. On one hand, Luke Combs is an amazing artist, uh, said one person with the uh, uh, Black Opry. Um, It's great to see that someone in country music is influenced by a black uh, queer woman. That's really exciting. But at the same time, it's hard to really lean into that excitement, knowing that Tracy Chapman would not be celebrated in the industry without that kind of middleman being a white man. Okay. Another person said, uh, it just kind of proves that when you put a white face on black art, it seems to be consumed a lot easier. Oh, goodness gracious. Still on it. Conversations from 1958. <laughs> no kidding, dude. Get over yourself already. Um, all right, we'll move off of that. This is racism of a different kind. Mm-hmm. Okay. This story that I mentioned about Snow White, I did not know Disney was doing another one of those live-action yeah. movies. This is Snow White, the Seven Dwarfs. And so there were some photos that were leaked, okay? And when the photos got leaked, um, you had different people saying, hey, this... These aren't real. Mm-hmm. This is total fake. This isn't what Disney's remake is all about. The AV Club had a tweet out saying, Disney says those Snow White photos are simply not official. Okay. It's like, well, um, uh, all right. They are, in fact, fake. All right. So then the Daily Beast called them obviously fake. These are fake photos. Well, it... Turns out the fake photos are completely real. (laughs) Matt Walsh from Daily Wire, again at the center of controversy. Okay. (laughs) What were the photos? The photos, as it turns out, is that Snow White is Hispanic. And the seven dwarfs include six full-grown adults. (laughs) Non-dwarves. Yes. So... It says, Snow White is a 19th century German fairy tale. This is the Matt Walsh tweet from yesterday. 
The name little literally refers to the character's skin color. Mm-hmm. This is what actual cultural appropriation looks like. Probably the most blatant <laughs> case we've ever seen. Because now Snow White is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So people were taking issue with that, and now they're saying, well, yes, they were from the production, but these are not official Disney photos. Okay. Well, does it really matter? No. Well, so so, so it's, it's so wait a minute. It's it's uh, Hispanic Snow White and the six guys and one dwarf? Yeah, apparently, the seven dwarfs only has one dwarf. That's what we're looking at here. Then he goes on to talk about how much money Disney's lost on movies here in the last couple of years, which is a whole lot of cash. <laughs> yeah, you could say they've been coming up a little short. Um, <laughs> why don't they just make movies that people want to watch? I, I don't understand. Like the, they're 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 just so desperate to rehash the same stuff over and over and over again. It's just embarrassing. I think, dude, this is the only sense that I can make of it is that it's not enough to actually make movies or products that people truly want. That's not what it's about. It is this new religion, and that cause supersedes everything, and it doesn't matter how much money it loses. It's like the new woke stamp on everything, and that's just the way it needs to be. I mean, again, I, I, I tend to not really get up in arms about, oh, you change a race of somebody in, in a movie, and you... Like the the Black Little Mermaid, I don't I don't care. Yeah, my, whatever. My whole thing is is why are you just rehashing the same thing? It's it's like a quick high, right? They they know that a bunch of especially millennials will go to the theater uh, because they grew up with a lot of these Disney movies like The Little Mermaid, etc. And so they'll get a decent showing at the opening weekend of the box office. But Disney's brand has become so tainted that they're not even really getting that quick fix anymore. Well, yes. Well, the other part that is cringy to me, whether it's Little Mermaid or with this, when you're talking about Snow White, who happens to be Hispanic, <laughs> you're ridiculous. You're trying so hard. You yeah. make yourself look like fools. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it to me. Yeah. Now, I know you wanted to make sure that if we were going to talk about this, well, to talk about little people. Yeah, well, I, I'm just I'm sitting here going, man, they are really uh, trying to push little people off of the stage right now it seems like and i think we need to take into consideration the wise words of one representative hank johnson of georgia well, well hank did apologize after this was over mm-hmm. uh, and and said little people but at the time when he was talking um because he was using what was it a metaphor for a union yeah um little people would be like midgets against a big union boss yeah and this is one for the ages if you've never heard it it's certainly a favorite of this show. We try to, you know, visit this at least once every six months, if not more. Uh, the wise words of Hank Johnson. What happens when you put in a cage fight a giant in with a midget? You got midgets against giants. The midget will not win the fight. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. You put 30 midgets in with the uh He's a wise man, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not going to win. That's true. Absolutely. With the giant, that's where you put uh, the midgets together. The giants take real good care of the midgets as long as the midgets do what the giants (laughs) want them to do. Mm. 
Now they're going to crush the midgets. Oh, no. Midgets get a chance to speak with one voice. And the midgets then have a chance collectively to speak eye to eye with the midget. <laughs> and now... One on top of the other. Hollywood Just. is trying to push the midgets out of the ring altogether. <laughs> there was too many of them. Yes. And so now they had to bring in six giants to be alongside one of these midgets. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, there's, there, there's new fodder for the, uh, for the actors strike going on in Hollywood. Yeah, no kidding. You know. Oh, my gosh. You know what's what what's fascinating? I'm sorry, this is ADHD theater on my part, but oh, go for it. Uh, Fran Drescher is the uh, is the president of SAG-AFTRA, the uh, actors' union. Yes, that's now striking. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw CBS News. The headline was, "Who is Fran Drescher?" <laughs> and just like that, I finally understood why boomers get so angry when I don't pick up on their mash references. Oh, you got angry? These these damn Zoomers, how do they not know who Fran Drescher is, okay? Meaning the nanny. Yes, the nanny, yeah. Yeah. I go back further than that to a classic movie, Hollywood Nights. <laughs> that is a classic, man. All right, thumbs up on that. More to get to. Um, well, we got to get to another news update. And then... For Nimrods in the news, uh, we got a couple. People robbing banks, not realizing they're robbing banks. How is that possible? We'll uh, explain straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation this week. News update, David Van Camp. Oh, here we go. Barack Obama. What? Has weighed in on so-called book bans happening in this country. They're not happening. He said, today, some of the books that shaped my life and the lives of so many others are being challenged by people who disagree with certain ideas and perspectives. And librarians are on the front lines fighting every day to make the widest possible range of viewpoints, opinions, and ideas available to everyone. Really? Genderqueer was like a... Learning about the old Cleveland steamer, that was a, oh something that was important to you in your formative years, Barack? Hmm. Golly. I mean, of course I, not. All right, let's let's do a fireside chat, Big O, and, and and you read from the books that parents have objected to being provided or mandated in curriculum. Oh, I would love that. Here, sometimes, uh, b- 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 p- b- uh, you know, playing with uh, b- fecal matter can be fun. We're both. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on, man. This freaking guy. No kidding, man. Because when you've had parents read some of these books at school board meetings, they shut them down. Yeah. They turn their mics off because it's completely inappropriate. So, yeah, if, they're, if you know, these are fine, you should be able to read them, Barack. <laughs> that would be great. That is the height of irresponsibility. No. It is shameful. It. It, it, well, it would be shameful. Shameful that you are pandering like that. My goodness. You know what? Usually at this part of the show... It would be a little bit early for Nimrods, but after this weekend, 
It's really not. I think we need the time. We better hit go now. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News. Well, we'll start here. It starts with a Craigslist ad where the scammer claims they need help with an elderly family member. Job duties include things like housework, grocery shopping, running errands, trips to the bank, Mm -hmm. things like that. So last week, a woman in Omaha, Nebraska, fell for it, showed up at a bank to withdraw some money for the person who hired her. When she got to the window, the scammer said to put the teller on the phone so that they could give them their account info. Then once the teller was on, they said, this is a robbery. Oh, my gosh. Teller gave the woman an undisclosed amount of cash, and she left thinking it was a normal withdrawal. She didn't find out she'd robbed a bank until later. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're laughing. The same thing happened to another woman in Omaha a few days after that. She didn't leave with any money, but both times the scammer asked them to go deposit the cash into a Bitcoin ATM. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also a second part of it where they ask for your bank info so that they can pay you for the errand. Mm. Then they steal your money instead. Oh, man. The women aren't facing any charges since they didn't mean to commit a crime. But the scammers will if cops ever catch them. That's like the setup to a new version of Thelma and Louise, isn't it? Like two ladies get tricked into robbing a bank and then they're clear to the charges because they didn't mean to do it. But they get addicted to the adrenaline rush. I could see that. Yes, that sort of thing. Then, next Nimrod, well, we have this police commissioner in Detroit having to resign after he was caught in a car with a prostitute. Uh-oh. Okay? And as part of the story, um, <laughs> they actually talked to uh, one of the members of the Detroit Police Board and then talked to the police captain, Jason Bates. Mm-hmm. about well, what exactly did the officers see when they reported this. And he was pretty forthright about it, actually. From my information, when they came upon his vehicle, he was having a sex act conducted on him. At that time, Mr. Brian Ferguson stepped out, identified himself as a Detroit police commissioner. Obviously, it was blatant. It's, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. It, you know, it's light out. A title or a position uh, doesn't make him above the law. David, your reaction, like so many others that I've seen with this story, there's one thing that stands out. Seven, seven o'clock in the morning? Morning to you. <laughs> you just needed the old humdinger at 7 a.m.? <laughs> like, some people go to Starbucks. Some people pick up hookers. Good start to the day, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then we got a couple of idiots in Florida arrested for openly having sex on a beach in the middle of the afternoon in front of families and other beachgoers. Oh. Okay, this is Anastasia Kretcher and Alexander Dillman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kretcher's 19, Dillman's 26. And it says yes, and people could see. It's all of this stuff. You read the police report. It goes that this Kretcher woman um, is also facing an aggravated battery count for an earlier incident. Okay, a bloody altercation with a male friend. Holy cow. Um she bit him in the groin and punched him in the head. Dang. A wild one there. And that's <laughs> Nimrod's in the news.